I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome and welcome and welcome in episode 137 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz, some say. You can catch me over on Twitter at FFEvolution, like Revolution, but with my name, Evan, at the start. You can follow the show itself for any updates and sort of episode alerts at Dynasty Debates. You can also drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions, things you love, things you hate, things you want to hear more of about the show, let me know because I just want to make the show better and better as we go on. Guys, welcome in to the solo recap show. All of your reactions and overreactions to week nine of the NFL. So without any further ado, just so you know, if this is the first time you're listening, this is just me running through all of the games of the weekend and just giving you one or two quick points from each team, just something to consider, something to think about, something to be aware of from a dynasty perspective, maybe a stat, it may be a scoreline, it may be a specific player who is trending up or trending down. But yeah, we're going to run through it as quickly as we can, but we're not going to cut any corners because you know what? We need the good stuff. This is that time of year where you're digging deep, you're trying to make that run or you're trying to rebuild. So you need to know who should I sell? Who should I hold on to? And who should I trade for? The main event. First up, we are going to touch on the Los Angeles Chargers narrowly eking out a victory against the Atlanta Falcons 22-17. Keenan Allen missed out on the game. Mike Williams still just dealing with his ankle injury. Um, so yeah, he had, it, <laughs> Justin Herbert had a pretty motley crew of receivers to throw the ball to. Now, the guy I want to talk about is Josh Palmer. If you've been listening to the solo recap shows, I've been saying this all year. Um, I think Josh Palmer fits nicely into that just sell high and get what you can category of receiver. So he had a really nice game. He had 10 targets. He had eight receptions, 106 yards, very solid game. I'm sure that the Keenan Allen manager in your league is very frustrated, hasn't been able to utilize him all year. Um, I'm, I mean, if you can go out right now and be targeting a 23 second round pick for Palmer, even if you have to add like your fourth round pick onto it or something like that, I would love to do that because I just don't think personally Josh Palmer is ever going to be like a difference maker receiver. He's a guy who can fill in nicely. He's a complimentary guy. But for me, especially in Dynasty, you just got to keep recycling players like that until you can hit on somebody who is an actual difference maker. So yeah, I think for me, if you can sell high on Josh Palmer's success this week, uh, I would love to do so. On the other side of the ball, for the Falcons, I do want to highlight two sort of buy low opportunities. If you're a contender and you need running back depth, because don't we all? I do think Cordero Patterson, I mean, he came back, he smashed, he had two touchdowns, he looked awesome. I think the rest of the season, you know, he's certainly going to be somebody that can help you. And I think you can get him for a pretty reasonable price. I don't think anybody in their right minds is asking for a first round pick. If you had to give away your contender second, um, you, you know, you could do worse, Um you know, but you may even be able to get him for a third and a player or something like that because he is 30 years old. People aren't going to be trying to build around him. If the person who rosters him is not a contender, 
pretty good buy low opportunity. Who I really want to talk about is Drake London. Now, Drake London, I do think just knowing the way Dynasty people work in season, they're very reactionary. Sadly, I do think you can go out and try and get a deal on Drake London. I know Drake London is pretty much droppable in, in redraft at this point in time. He's just been unusable. But guys, just first of all, he was my wide receiver two in this class. And, you know, my wide receiver one was just barely Garrett Wilson ahead of him. Garrett Wilson's looking awesome, you know, even with a, you know, suboptimal quarterback play. The underlying stats for Drake London are fantastic, though. I mean, he's literally got almost a 29% target share, which is phenomenal. It's ninth best in the NFL. He's literally getting a 31.4% target rate, which is eighth best. He is. I mean, it's just fantastic. You want to see those kind of things. He's got amazing draft capital. He had amazing production profile. The problem is Arthur Smith. The problem is the offense they're running and Marcus Mariota. No offense, Marcus Mariota. I mean, guys, you have to realize, I mean, for example, they, they've lost a very close game and Marcus Mariota only threw the ball 23 times. Like, they are, it's not even just like they have a low passing volume offense. You need to realize this is a historically low. If they were to maintain their current pass attempt volume, you would have to go all the way back to 1990 to see an NFL team that averaged a worse pass attempts per game than the 2022 Atlanta Falcons. And to be fair, the Atlanta Falcons are actually third worst. They're not even as bad as the Bears. Um, th- that's that's crazy if you think about that. Go all the way back to 1990, the Los Angeles Raiders were averaging 21 pass attempts per game which is pretty gross pretty horrific you think right it is you're right but the 2022 Atlanta Falcons are averaging 22.33 at narrowly eking out the Tennessee Titans at 22 and the Chicago Bears at 20.89 so unless you think Arthur Smith is revolutionizing the NFL and bringing it back to a day when we do not pass the ball, or unless you think that this historically low number can continue not only this season, but for the foreseeable, I would say Drake London is a fantastic buy low opportunity. Another super exciting game, well, I should say the first super exciting game because that last game was kind of frustrating more than exciting, but the Miami Dolphins and the Chicago Bears, who knew that this was the shootout that we always needed? 35-32, to Dolphins narrowly eke out a victory over the Chicago Bears. On the Dolphins side, again, if you're anything like me, this time of year, if you're a contender, you are scrounging around trying to find some much-needed running back depth. I would suggest Jeff Wilson could be your man. Now, sadly, he'll probably be more expensive than he would have been if you had traded for him before this game. But Jeff Wilson is literally still unpacking his bags in Miami. He has not even had a chance to uh, kind of get familiar with the locale. And he's already outsnapped Raheem Mostert, who we know, historically speaking, is a little bit fragile, a little bit frail. We would be surprised for him to carry this bulk workload the entire season. So Mostert played 47% of the snaps and Wilson played 49. So it was pretty close to a 50-50 split again that could just be status quo if they're both healthy um, trying to maintain a healthy backfield or it could just be you know what Wilson just got off the plane and he'll have even more attempts moving forward they both had nine rush attempts Wilson was much more efficient for 51 yards versus Mostert's 26 yards Uh, Mostert did get the touchdown but you know Jeff Wilson had three receptions and a receiving touchdown so again if you're really desperate for running back help, I would certainly be looking around and see what you can get. Um, you know, I, I would be surprised if it's going to have to break the bank to get Jeff Wilson, and he could be a really useful piece this year on your push to get a championship. On the bear side of the ball, man, talk about dominance. Justin Field, have yourself a day, sir. 15 rush attempts for 178 yards and a touchdown. 
um, and 28 pass attempts, which is not a lot, but it's getting better. 123 yards and three touchdowns. Man, he absolutely killed. Was amazing to see. I think it's too late now to buy low on Justin Fields. Hopefully you were able to capitalize on that. But I did want to actually talk about, um, you know, the new acquisition there in the wide receiver room, Chase Claypool. So he's again, similar to, you know, similar to Jeff Wilson. He was a deadline day signing. He's only just in the door. Hasn't really been able to even have a chance to get familiar with the playbook necessarily. He had a rushing attempt out of the backfield, which you love to see him getting involved in unique ways. But he also had six targets. So Mooney is still the number one dude as it stands. He had eight targets, but Cole Komet, Cole Komet and Chase Claypool had six targets. Now, because Claypool didn't have a big splashy game, there's probably a lot of people in your league that may be box score scouting, or they may think, you know what, you know, Justin Fields is awesome as a rusher, but you know, he's not going to be a great passer, things like that. I think Chase Claypool could be a sneaky buy low um, opportunity here. I mean, he, like I said, first weekend straight in there, played 35% of snaps, had six targets, certainly seemed to make an impact on the game. And I think you can get a reasonable deal for him. So he's somebody that if you're maybe re- building you could look to acquire him and a pick for an older player maybe that you're shipping off something like that um or you know just just in general like he's just somebody that you could look to inquire about now and if they continue to boost the passing volume if he gets more acclimated to the offense let's not forget justin fields has a really nice deep ball and um you know Chase Claypool really benefited when Big Ben was chucking it deep to him his rookie year, getting all those touchdowns. So I think he's somebody that could give you a nice ROI if you get in now. Moving right along here, we are talking about the battle of the big cats. The Carolina Panthers got absolutely demolished by the Cincinnati Bengals. 21-42 on the Panthers side. It was just a mess. They were absolutely getting boat raced and PJ Walker had a terrible game, got benched. Baker Mayfield came in, played certainly better than PJ Walker had been playing. But again, wasn't a great game by anybody's standards. Who I would highlight here, a couple quick players. I would highlight Dante Foreman. He didn't have a great game. Seven attempts, 23 yards. Um, you know, that's going to happen when, I mean, there was, there was like 20, 30 something to nothing at one point, I believe. So, uh, you know, it, it certainly was a negative game script for them. That's going to happen in those sort of situations. He still had three targets. I think if you're a contender, you could now look to like swoop in there and get him for like really cheap, like a late third or something like that. Because I do think he'll probably still give you some, some value depending on the match up on the run-in, but the guy I would highlight is Terrace Marshall. I know there was a lot of truthers out there. A lot of people I actually highlighted him in my Flex article this week. He came out, he he gave you a really solid game, even with the mess that was going on with the quarterbacks and them getting boat raced. I mean, he was on the field 92% of snaps to DJ Moore's 98% of snaps. Um, he ran the same amount of routes. He had a far better rating when targeted. He had the same exact amount of targets, so he managed to get three receptions for 53 yards and a touchdown um, on six targets there, and DJ Moore had two receptions on six targets. So, you know, Terrace Marshall is one of those guys that I think that there was a lot of stink on him, but it seems like a lot of that was Matt Rule. So now that Matt Rule's out of town, again, I don't think anybody's too excited because the offense is such a mess and we don't know what to expect. But you could certainly, if you're a, especially if you're a rebuilder and you're doing your classic, what I always recommend, which is if you're trading away an established vet. So, say you're rebuilding, you've got Keenan Allen. If you can get like a 23 second in Terrace Marshall, you know, that might be a solid, that might be a solid um, pivot for you at this stage. On the Bengals side of it, it was the Joe Mixon show. He had four rushing touchdowns and then also, of course, a receiving touchdown. Five touchdown game, absolutely out, out of his mind, putting up fantasy points, 153 yards, absolute stud. Doesn't change my opinion on him, though. Like if you're a contender and you have him on your team, just 
enjoy it. Be happy. Go for the ship. See what you can do. If you're a middle of the road and he's your only good piece or one of your only really good pieces, especially if you're rebuilding, man, use this opportunity. Be out there knocking on doors, showing that stat line. See what you can get. If you can get like two 23 first for him or if you can get like a first and a young, like say, for example, you could get Brees Hall and a 23 first right now and you're rebuilding. I would love to do that because as awesome as this game was, and I hope he has a great rest of the year. I love Joe Mixon. I've always been a big Joe Mixon fan since he's been in the league. He's a really fun running back to watch, but it doesn't change the fact that he's 26 years old. He'll be 27 next year. He's on a second contract. You know, he's he's not going to become more and more efficient. He, he gets such a huge workload. I think that right now, capitalize on everyone's knee-jerk reactions, capitalize and get the most you can return for him. Going to touch on the Green Bay Packers losing I just want to emphasize that losing to the Detroit Lions. I'll try not to gloat too much as a Vikings fan here. Uh, it is surprising that, you know, the war, one of the worst defenses, if not the worst defense in the NFL, you know, wasn't able to even, uh, you know, allow more than nine points. I mean, that's that's wild. Romeo Dobbs obviously got injured left early. That's not helpful. Um, but the guy I want to highlight just really quickly here in the midst of all this craziness, because one underrated aspect of Dynasty is the ability to play the waiver wire still. There's not much on the waiver wire, but somebody who could be on the waiver wire and could be worth picking up is Samori Toure. He is a very late round draft pick, sixth or seventh round off the top of my head. He had some good tape in college they, the, you know, Aaron Rodgers has said some nice things about him. You know, last week he obviously caught a touchdown. This week he had four targets, had a really nice catch in the game. Um, you know, he's certainly somebody that he's coming along and we don't know how serious this Romeo Dobbs injury is yet. Again, I'm recording this on Monday. We'll find out more, but he's somebody that you, you probably will have him on some of your waiver wires. I would scoop him up because even if you just turn around and able to flip him for a third or or a second or something like, you know, well, I don't think you're going to get a second for him, but you know, if you, you're able to pick him up and and swoop in and then trade him for like you put your third and Samari Torre together and get a second. Something like that. That's how you make these little incremental adjustments that help you win long term because it is dynasty. You're not going to get a chance to start all over from scratch. You have, an, uh, you have a finite amount of resources. You've got to find ways to be clever with those resources and to be the first person to kind of get on the bandwagon and find out when to cash in on those chips. As for the mighty Lions, I'm a big fan, big fan of the Lions this week. But guys, seriously, in all seriousness, uh, you know, Jamal Williams, 24 rush attempts, 81 yards. You know, I don't know what's going on with Swift. I don't know if he is really more banged up than we thought. I don't know if they're just sort of being super, super cautious because at this stage, let's be honest, even with that win, you know, they're only, what, two and six. They're not going to really be pushing for the playoffs this year. I think they could be getting close to that territory. If he's not 100% in the next couple of days, they may just shut him down for the year. I don't know. I hope not. I have him in a couple of places that would suck. But again, if you're looking for running back depth, Jamal Williams might be a guy. He might be the guy you need to go knock on some doors, see what you can get for him. Again, I don't think he's going to cost you an arm and a leg. He's certainly not somebody people are going to be building around for the future, but he looks like the the guy they lean on whenever, you know, Swift is out of the lineup. And even at the goal line, you know, he does seem to be getting a lot of the goal line opportunities could certainly be, you know, one of those guys that you just add in as some depth for your push. Um, But again, I will highlight as well, please, 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 do yourself a favor, do your due diligence, go knock on the door of the Jamison Williams manager out of sight, out of mind. It's been a long season. People are getting discouraged. Even Amon Rossi and Brown didn't kill it this week. So people might just be thinking, I don't know if there's even room in this you know team for multiple stud players, blah, 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 blah. You might be able to get a discount. I don't think you're going to regret it if you do going to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders managing to be one of the most unlucky franchises in the NFL this year. They lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars who didn't look like they could 
you know, punch their way out of a wet paper bag uh, recently. So they managed to lose to the hapless Jaguars there. Now, on the Raiders' side, it is just weird. It is a mess. Now, Devontae Adams had an amazing game again. Thank goodness. Finally, 17 targets, which is insane. You love to see 10 receptions, 146 yards, and two touchdowns. He's really the only piece majorly that I'm thinking is really worth majorly pursuing. I think that he's old enough where if anybody's middle of the pack or rebuilding, they will be looking to offload him. They're still going to want a lot for him, but he's sort of like that DeAndre Hopkins sort of mold, isn't he, really, where... You know, if you need if you need a difference maker and you're trying to go for a championship, yes, he's going to cost you something to get. But there's a reason for that. He's going to make a difference for you, even on a terrible team like the Las Vegas Raiders. I honestly nobody else really am excited about trying to pursue even like in Superflex Derek Carr. He's just not putting up these great numbers for you he's really not like yeah absolutely you can see how disgusted the Derek Carr manager is and see what you can get if you can get a deal it's always worth it in a super flex to add you know some additional depth at the quarterback position but you know Hunter Renfro yes he's been banged up a little bit but he has only had one game this season where he's hit double digit targets Matt Collins seems to be regularly out snapping him out targeting him um, it's just a mess uh, interestingly a friend of mine brought up when we were discuss- when I was discussing the, the Raiders on Twitter he actually brought up that you know he looked at their contracts and I think almost all of their veteran contracts they can get out from under this year if they need to as it stands at the moment they have a top three pick in 2023 if things keep going the way they are wouldn't surprise me I mean I think the smart move would be for them to just blow it up a little bit see what they can get for Adams see what they can get for Waller see what they can get for Renfro see what they can get for Carr and just start rebuilding um, and see how they can see if they can try to build this properly from the ground up on the Jags side of the ball, honestly, I mean Travis Cetian, he's taken off. It's too late again to get to get in on that, you know, train without just paying a fortune for it. But I would say Trevor Lawrence. I think in a super flex league, he's still undervalued. Um, surprisingly, it's very weird. The story of Trevor Lawrence seems really odd to me because when he was coming out, we were all being told he's like the second coming of Andrew Luck. He's like, you know, God's gift to quarterback position. And I think we were so disappointed with what happened his rookie year that we're just, if he's not putting up these, I think the problem is he's just putting up regular, you know, kind of standard solid numbers. He's not putting up mind-bogglingly amazing numbers at any one situation but he has certainly improved year on year I mean his rookie year he had a 71.9% QBR so quarterback rating he had a 59.6% completion percentage he only had a 2% touchdown you know completion um, 2% touchdown rate which is incredibly low obviously but if you look at you know even just this this far through the year he's upped his QB rating to 87.5 he's up at 64.3% so a solid 4 or 5% increase in his completion percentages he's got up to 3.6 percent on his touchdown rate which again isn't that high but it's way better it's you know almost double what it was his rookie year uh his interception is 1.9 percent which isn't terrible so yeah i i definitely think trevor lawrence is somebody that you could certainly i mean he was qb9 heading into the weekend there and a lot of just normal scoring so he doesn't feel like that though people don't think of him as a top 10 scoring qb they think of him as kind of like meh or rubbish or an okay qb2 in a super flex league so i think you could certainly go and look and see what kind of deal you can get for for trevor lawrence i think that he'll only continue to improve let's not forget you know another probably pretty high draft pick this this coming season maybe another really great weapon um calvin ridley coming in next year so i certainly think that there's room for improvement room for a good solid roi if you can get a deal on trevor lawrence time to talk about a very ugly game that had some very ugly consequences the indianapolis colts got absolutely just 
curb stomp by the New England Patriots, 26-3. Frank Reich has been relieved of his duties. Um, it's just been a mess. It's probably for the best at this stage. It, it li- literally has just been a mess for the Colts. Um, there's so many players we could talk about. The guy I really want to highlight here, I would say, is Michael Pittman Jr. I love Michael Pittman Jr. coming into this season. I expected uh, Matty Ice to be throwing him the ball all year. Obviously, he got a little bit injured. They've benched him. Who knows what's going to happen now that Frank Reich is gone, but couple of things that I would say that, you you know, certainly an amazing buy low opportunity because there's going to be a lot of frustrated, you know, potential contenders out there with Michael Pittman Jr. on the roster. Uh, okay. So for the entire season, right? So weeks one to nine of all wide receivers with a minimum of nine or sorry, with a minimum of 15 targets, Michael Pittman Jr. has ran the most routes in the NFL. <laughs> so, you know, he is certainly their number one receiver. He is very much involved. He He's a really good receiver, guys. He's a really, really, really solid receiver. Um, he even this last week, he's on the field ninety percent of the time. He has it's it's down to the quality of the targets he's been getting. They've been awful. Hopefully, they're going to get a really good quarterback this next year. You've got you'd like to think so. His target quality rating has been fifty eighth in the NFL. His catchable target rate was twenty eighth. So, but I mean, if you talk about like his targets, he was at number eight for targets. He had a 25.3% target share, which was 21st. Um, he's, he's somebody who demands targets. He's the number one on this team. He has, you know, a lot of unrealized air yards. He has a lot of just bad quarterback play. So he's somebody that if you're a re if you're in rebuild mode, or if you're just kind of middle of the pack and you're retooling for next year, he's certainly somebody that I would be targeting big time. Um, cause I think there's going to be some frustrated managers out there who aren't really thinking about it clearly. And I think, you know, in middle of the season, like this t- great time to pounce on some knee jerk reactions. On the Patriots side, uh, the player that I'm actually going to talk about is Ramondre Stevenson. So I've always been a big Ramondre Stevenson guy. I, I just had a soft spot for him. I think he was really much maligned through his kind of draft process. Everyone was kind of just talking down to him, saying he was rubbish, things like that. So it's been awesome to see him kind of succeed and continue to grow. As it stands right now, he's like a top 10 running back this season in PPR league. So I think people are really excited about him. I would say, I mean, here's what I would say. I think he's gotten to the stage where he's possibly a sell. I think that people are so excited about him. I've heard people, you know, I mentioned I put a tweet out just kind of gauging the waters or testing the waters you should I should say uh Saturday I believe and just saying like is there a dynasty RB1 I'm not convinced and had so many people reply and stuff and I even think a couple people mentioned Ramondre Stevenson in that conversation which is wild to me let's not forget you know he's not a first round a second round even a third round pick um he comes from he's playing in a scheme that traditionally utilizes sort of like a running back by committee approach yes he has benefited from Damian Harris being beat up this year and not being fully healthy and being in a contract year and things like that but honestly if you can get a real like just absolute haul for Ramondre Stevenson and you're not a serious competitor right this year I would be very 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 interested in doing so because I just don't think that he's the kind of guy and he's the kind of system that is going to be this like you know CMC level you know guy who's just going to dominate for years and you know be a staple of your dynasty roster I mean personally I'm always like team sell RBs when they're high so for me a guy that if you've had him since his rookie year you probably got him in the third or fourth round to be able to get him for easily 
a 23 first plus right now, I would be seriously, seriously, seriously considering doing that if I was you. Going to touch on one of the biggest upsets of the weekend. So the mighty New York Jets managed to defeat the Buffalo Bills. Who to thunk it? 17 to 20, very close game. Josh Allen did not play well, didn't look very good in this game. The Jets defense played really well, had a really solid game plan and stuck to it. Zach Wilson managed to not screw things up terribly enough. Um, Sorry, Zach. But yeah, I'm going to do a two for one here, actually. So interestingly enough, so I'm going to talk about two players that I have takes on and we're going to discuss why. So first player from the Buffalo Bills is actually Gabe Davis. So Gabe Davis, yet again, he is on the field. He is playing a lot. He played 95% of the snaps. That is good. Um, But yet again, he was pretty disappointing. Five targets, two receptions, 33 yards, no touchdowns. He is sort of what I always thought he was going to be, which is a boom bust sort of wide receiver three. You know, you're going to get those great, beautiful, big games from him, three touchdowns, blah, blah, blah. But you're going to get a lot of games like this, which are really frustrating. Um, I don't think, I think Gabe Davis is fancy Josh Palmer, you know, is fancy Nico Collins. One of those guys like, yeah, it's nice if you're in a 16 team league and you start 12 flexes and stuff like that. He's, he's a good guy to have. But on the other side of the field, we've got Elijah Moore, who, I mean, I've already talked about, it. I've taken my L on Twitter. I think I've mentioned it on this podcast. I was super high on Elijah Moore. Love Elijah Moore. Have him so many places in dynasty. He is you can't start him. You cannot start. I don't care how deep the league is right now. You cannot start him. He was only on the field 45% of the snaps. His snaps have continued to go down. Um, and he didn't, you know, he literally just goose egged you completely goose egged. You didn't even get a target in this game where Garrett Wilson got nine targets. So it's obvious that they're loving Garrett Wilson. Now, what I would say, my personal opinion Elijah Moore is too talented of a player. He's too talented. He's too good for him to just maintain being goose egged and sitting on the bench forever. Either the Jets are going to find a way to get him, you know, they're working through something. They're obviously trying to figure out his attitude and his situation. I don't, I personally am more on Elijah Moore's side. I don't know all the ins and outs of maybe he is being immature and ridiculous. Maybe he needs to be reined in. I don't know. But from what I can see, from what I can tell, uh, I think he's well within his rights to want to be more involved in the offense when he's a very talented player and they spent draft capital to get him. Uh, but what I would say is the beautiful thing is for me is that you're you're sitting there with Gabe Davis. I think right now you could easily swap your Gabe Davis for Elijah Moore plus. So I, I think that that's the key there is that you could probably trade Gabe Davis for Elijah Moore and a third or Elijah Moore in a second, maybe depending on who the person is and how desperate they are, things like that. I would love to do something like that. I'm not a huge Gabe Davis guy. I don't believe in him. And I think Elijah Moore is at an all time by low. That's just my personal take on it. I'm curious to hear what your guys thoughts on it. I just think that Elijah Moore honestly is he's too, he's too quality of a player. He's got too many skills. He's too, he's just He's got too much that he does well. Either the Jets will trade him next year when they don't seem to be, you know, I think they don't want to look to be giving into demands of players or they'll just start using him and he'll actually succeed and be really, really good for your teams. So that's that's what I would do personally. Um, but again, that's just my take on it because like I said, I just don't see the underlying stats. I don't see the performance. I don't see the productivity. I don't see the draft capital for Gabe Davis. And then I do see a lot of that for Elijah Moore. I think it's just, you know, let's not get carried away over a half season sample size over hopefully a 10 plus year career. It is time to discuss the Kings of the North, the Minnesota Vikings, my beloved Minnesota Vikings, seven and one surviving the onslaught of the Washington commanders. May I just say, since I made the pilgrimage to London and watched the Vikings narrowly defeat the New Orleans Saints, they are undefeated. Is that a coincidence? 
I like to think that it is not. However, what I would say, there's a lot to talk about here. You know, it's pretty amazing to me that, again, talking about these deadline day signings, these kind of guys who are just off the street, TJ Hawkinson came in and had nine targets. That blows my mind. Very interesting. Very curious to see how that plays itself out. The guy I actually want to talk about, though, is KJ Osborne. So I'm going to take an L on this one. I thought KJ Osborne was somebody who had improved a lot last year. I thought, you know, from what I could hear in training camp and in the offseason, he seemed to be somebody that was coming along. They really believed in. I thought they'd be running a lot of three wide receiver sets, passing the ball an awful lot to the wide receiver position. It just has not happened in a game where, you know, we needed points. We needed to come back. We needed to push the ball. And where Kirk Cousins threw the ball 40 times, KJ Osborne had two targets. And again, I'm pointing to the fact that, you know, TJ Hawkinson off the street literally couldn't have known more than three plays in the playbook, had nine targets. So, KJ Osborne, man, he is he's one of those guys that you really can't trade him for anything now, probably because nobody's interested in him. But he's in that category now for me, I would say, where even if it means just like packaging him, like say you're like, here's KJ Osborne in my third to get your second. You know, I'm willing to do that even, you know, just literally get some sort of value out of him because I don't see him. At this stage, he's had so many games, you know, so many situations. I think he's had one, maybe two decent games, and those have been buoyed by touchdowns. That's sort of where I'm at with KJ Osborne is I think if they're, they've obviously traded for Hawk, they're going to try and probably tie him down to some sort of long-term extension. Then they've got Thielen still. He is aging. They may add somebody else in the draft next year. I just don't think that, you know, unfortunately, I don't think KJ Osborne's going to be one of those guys that you're going to be counting on. So got to take my L there. That's how I would handle the situation. I'd be looking to shop him, just see if I can add him in as a sweetener to a deal to get somebody that you believe in more. On the commander side, I think, again, they're just this weird team that's in a state of flux. Taylor Heineke, love seeing him come out and ball and just play. He's just such a competitor. But again, I just don't think he's the long-term option. I don't believe in him as a long-term option at quarterback. Um, But the guy that I'm actually going to highlight is Brian Robinson Jr. Now, what I would say is if you're sort of middle of the pack or and you've decided to cash in your chips and you're going for next year, or if you're a rebuilder, Brian Robinson Jr., even though he's a rookie, he's not somebody that I would be looking to like sort of build around for the future. Uh, again, you know, running backs have such a short life in Dynasty anyways. You really want to try and build around, if you have some, maybe the elite ones, the guys that have that real pass catching upside, the guys that can really, like, like a Ramondre Stevenson, you know, he was somebody that was fine to hold on to last year. You weren't getting a, a bucket load for him and you were hopeful that something like what's happened this year has happened. I don't necessarily see that for Brian Robinson. He is sort of splitting the backfield with Gibson. Gibson is the one that's more taking, you know, really getting more of the lion's share of like potentially receiving work, running routes and things like that. It's actually got to the stage where um, this again, this game specifically, Gibson out snapped Brian Robinson, 58% to 44%. Um, Brian Robinson, you know, had slightly more carries 13 to 11. He wasn't great. I would say that he wasn't great. He's not lighting anything up. He's not busting these long runs. He's not somebody that's exciting. He's just like a plotter, a grinder. He's somebody that if their offense was really high powered, he might be worth because then he would be getting the goal line work maybe potentially and that he could be really useful there. But he's somebody that I, I guess what I'm saying, a long story short is if I'm middle of the pack or rebuilding or anything like that, he's somebody I'm trying to flip. So, you know, in a rebuilding league, I, I flipped him. I gave him and my fourth for a second. And I'm really happy about that because it's contender second. So it's a middle to later second, but still I got him in like the mid second, later second. And, you know, it just didn't work out. I thought somebody he I might be able to use this year. I think I got him in the third, maybe even, I'm not sure. Uh, so it's at least status quo. It may even be an upgrade for me. And it's somebody just, I'm just looking to keep recycling and see if I can try and get, you know, somebody who is actually a difference maker. 
Going to talk about the Seattle Seahawks beating up on the Arizona Cardinals here. So Seattle Seahawks 6-3, 31-21 the final score. I think we've talked about it. It's been well documented on this show that I have apologized to Geno Smith. I did not realize he was blood brothers with Patrick Mahomes. He's been absolutely lighting it up. He even had six cheeky rush attempts for 38 yards. You'll love to see it. 275-2 and two with one interception. Guys, I think he's a buy. I think I said earlier in the season, like, hey, yeah, it's great. It's a good story. Happy days, but I'm not really looking to invest in him necessarily. But man, you've got to stay water as the season's gone on. I mean, listen to this, right? Just just out of, you know, I just out of curiosity for the whole season, minimum 50 dropbacks. I mean, Geno Smith, literally from PFF grading, he comes in at number four for offensive. Um, he comes in at number four for passing. He comes in at number four for big time throws. He's all the way down at 21 for turnover worthy throws, um, turnover worthy plays, I should say, sorry. And he's literally third in an NFL like rating. So he has not just been good. He's been killing it. Now he doesn't offer tons with rushing um, and he hasn't had many like crazy like four or five touchdown games. So I think that's why we're still sort of in, in disbelief. But the reason I think he's a buy, first of all, you know, the Seahawks, the way that things are going, they're not going to be in a position to draft the quarterback of the future. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to be in a top 10 pick, you know, sort of situation. Um, so that's one reason. So that is, you know, literally as it stands right now, if the season were to end today, um, you know, they're, they're picking, I believe like 24th or something like that, you know, so they're not going to be anywhere near getting a, a quarterback of the future. He's played so well. I don't see why they wouldn't have him at least next year as well. So, and again, Again, on top of everything else, the reason for me is the price. In a, I'm in a, let's see, a 12 team. It's either 10 or 12 team super flex league. I got him a couple weeks ago for like a third round pick, a 2023 third. That's ridiculous. Okay. Then even this week, with you know, he's like QB seven, eight, and something like that on the season in a 12 team super flex league. I've been offered him for literally like Harrison Bryant and a 23 mid second. That's so cheap for a starting quarterback in a super flex league. That's why to me, he's a buy i think you should go out and acquire him if you need any sort of quarterback depth because not only will he help you this year if you're in any way a contender but i'm pretty positive he's going to be around next year i don't see i mean he's played so well and it's so much more than a one or two game sample size i don't see how he's not a starting quarterback for seattle most likely but definitely somewhere with the the lack of quality qb play that we've been seeing in 2022 for the Cardinals, I am actually going to highlight somebody that I haven't talked about much this season, sadly. It is Trey McBride. So he was actually my tight end one, narrowly beating out Greg Sugar Daddy Dolchich when it came to the tight end rankings pre-draft. He had just a really nice pro profile in college. He was really dominant, obviously at a lower level, but... The thing is, what I'm looking at here is I'm seeing that Zach Ertz, like we've talked about, he has a really solid role in this offense. We always know that a lot of times tight ends take a little bit longer than some other positions to come along. So we don't expect a lot out of rookie tight ends their first year. There have been some like Isaiah Likely and Greg Dolchich that have been really showing out, which has been awesome. But I think enough time has passed by where you could probably get, if you're trying to rebuild, especially if you're in a tight end premium league, you could maybe get Trey McBride just thrown in on a deal. Like if you're trading away somebody, you know, just get Trey McBride thrown in. He had good draft capital. He had a great production profile. He's not doing much this year, but he's somebody that could, could be a sneaky value come around, you know, sort of next year. The Rams and Buccaneers was very sad to behold. It finished 13-16 and you would never believe that these two teams are the last two Super Bowl winning teams. They just 
I mean, 1316, we just said it, you know, it's not exciting. It's not a lot of flashy, good play going on. I mean, Cade Otten and Scotty Miller are like the ones showing out, quote unquote, for the Buccaneers. So it was just not a good game in general. Um, honestly, so for me, Los Angeles Rams, any running back that you've got for the Rams, I'm wanting to trade away if I can, if I can get any sort of value, if you can get somebody to give you a second round pick for Daryl Henderson, that would be fantastic. I would love to do so. Um, whether it's one QB or super flex, I think Cooper cup is really the only valuable piece in that, in that whole puzzle at the moment that I'm really looking to acquire. And obviously he's not going to come cheaply. So I, I don't really think, you know, even Tyler Higby has been usable at times throughout the year. He only had one target. It's pretty grim. Matthew Stafford just hasn't looked good. He's thrown through, through the ball 27 times, 165 yards and a touchdown. He's not giving you any of those sort of boom games. So if you're in a super flex league, um, you can certainly acquire and see how much you can get him for. You know, if you can get him cheap enough, it's always worth it probably because you'd like to think that they'll get something figured out. Maybe not this year, but moving into next year uh, on the, on the Tampa Bay side, there's a couple more pieces that may be worth talking about Rashad white. He is slowly becoming more and more a part of this offense and Honestly, he's looking pretty decent. So he's somebody I really liked, but I wasn't super high on in the pre-draft process. Um, so I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, cool. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, he's looked good. I don't really have any shares, but I certainly am not opposed to going out and trying to acquire some. He only played 35% of the snaps. So he's certainly still playing less snaps than Fournette, but he had eight rush attempts for 27 yards, which again, isn't fantastic, but Fournette had nine for 19. So, you know, it's certainly something that, um, and Kate Auten, Kate Auten's come out. He's been awesome. He's had six targets, five receptions, and a touchdown. So he played really, really well. I highly doubt you're going to be able to get him off the waiver wire anymore. Hopefully not. If you are, your league is not very competitive and you need to look into that. But, um, you know, he's somebody that he's certainly going to be useful probably this year because of how gross the tight end landscape is. Rashad White, again, also had three targets, three receptions. So, again, somebody that, especially if you're rebuilding, might be worth kind of if you're downstepping. So, say for talk's sake, you're a rebuilder and you have Leonard Fournette, you can probably, you know, trade him to somebody and get Rashad White plus a second or something like that. Um, and in a rebuilding situation, that's probably something I'm looking to do if you're looking to acquire running backs. I don't typically look to, um, but he could be the kind of guy that would be worth acquiring similar to like a Ramondre Stevenson where you think, hey, there's a pathway here where if, say, Tom Brady retires at the end of the season, Leonard Fournette goes his own way, all of a sudden, you know, whatever they do, they revamp, they maybe have a, good, a new quarterback in, and then all of a sudden Rashad White is the back and he's getting the pass catching work. He could, his boost in value. So again, I don't want to be too dogmatic about not acquiring any position or whatever if you're rebuilding. It's just looking at acquiring value. So he could be certainly somebody that has a boost in his values, you know, kind of at the end of this year or especially moving into next year depending on how the chips fall last game to discuss here because i am recording this on monday night monday night football has not yet happened so not going to be able to discuss it sadly not going to be able to talk in depth about the ravens and the saints but we are going to talk quickly on the titans versus the chiefs ended up in overtime which is quite surprising when you consider malik willis was the quarterback in charge so finished 17 to 20 now 
for me, Derrick Henry is just an absolute animal. Like he is the exception. He's not the rule. So, you know, absolutely. If you've got Derrick Henry, congrats. And he should hopefully be able to push you towards a title this year. Um, honestly, it's hard to really trust or invest in any sort of pass catchers for the Titans in this low volume. I mean, Malik Willis threw the ball 16 times. Like that's insane for a game that went to overtime against a team as high powered as the Chiefs. Malik Willis is such an interesting character. He's so raw, but he did rush eight times for 40 yards so he certainly brings that mobility element to it whether or not you know I still believe that Tannehill is the guy the rest of this year at least uh, he's just been banged up so you know, if you're desperate at quarterback in a super flex league, I think you could probably get uh, Tannehill for so cheap right now because he wasn't killing it this year anyway. Um, but we've seen him be efficient in this offense when Derrick Henry is healthy. And, you know, obviously he's got guys that we're hoping to see Traylon Burks come back near sometime this year. Robert Woods, we know, is capable of providing fantasy goodness. Uh, Chigo Conquo has been coming along. So I, I would say, honestly, maybe like just knock on some doors, see how cheap you can get Tannehill because for a starting quarterback, you know what I mean? In a super flex league, I wouldn't be surprised if there's people out there who would give them to you for, you know, a late second, you know, a late second and some, you know, player who's never going to do much. But on the Chiefs side, I still think, I mean, Travis Kelsey, absolute animal, 17 targets. Juju's been great these last couple of weeks. Uh, for me, it's still, I'm still curious about, I'm honestly still curious about Kadarius Tony. Like he only just got in, but you know, the thing is he was, oh, he was injured. He was injured. He was injured every week with the Giants, never ending injury, but apparently he's all of a sudden miraculously healed, managed to get on the field for 9% of the snaps. So nothing exciting, two receptions on two targets for 12 yards. But man, Patrick Mahomes, has been playing lights out this year you know he had six rush attempts for 63 yards and a touchdown he was the most efficient rusher on the team he also threw the ball 68 times for 446 yards and a touchdown like that is mouth-watering you have to think that man if they could get even just like half of what we know Kadarius Tony is capable of out of him it would be pretty game changing. So I certainly think you should be going out and just, just inquiring. What does the person who manages Canaries Tony want um, for him? What do they think he's worth? I certainly think he's somebody that you would should at least do your due diligence on and see what the manager wants. Well, there you have it, friends, around the NFL world in less than 45 minutes. Hopefully you found that useful, insightful, interesting. I try to mix it up and put some stats and facts and figures, but also just talk through some theory and some, you know, just my mindset, the way I think about these players in these situations. Hopefully you found that helpful. Um, let me know if you've got any trades that you're working on or that you have done. Uh, if you've got any questions for the show later on this week, again, we're going to have an awesome guest. I will tell you about that on Twitter. Uh, if you're on there, Make sure and give me a follow. Give the show a follow. Guys, last thing I'll say before I go here, please, if you've enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you get those downloads. Um, it really helps the show. And please give a rating and review. It really helps the show get out to a wider audience. I know I jokingly say it's the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football, but I wouldn't be angry if it was a horribly kept secret and if everybody knew about it. So I'm just throwing that out there. If you've liked it, be a friend, tell a friend, share the good word about the Dynasty debates, and we will catch up with you later this week. I drive zero RB in Dynasty Pass up a young receiver, nah, I couldn't be me My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank 
says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. <laughs>